Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. We want to begin by noting something obvious because this is the obvious show. If you live in the United States, you may have noticed that many of our public spaces have become permanent homeless encampments. You see trash-filled tents blotting out what were once green and tidy public parks. You step over vagrants drooling unconscious on the steps of train stations on the way to work. You watch as junkies smoke meth without any embarrassment at all and then yell at pedestrians on the sidewalk, maybe at your children. Everywhere, at every intersection, there are beggars. It's what we used to imagine India was like, but this is not Calcutta. This is New York and San Francisco and Austin, Texas. So the question is, what happened? And the short answer is, our leaders did this. No matter what they tell you, homelessness is not an act of God. It's not the result of economic collapse in this country. America did not run out of housing. Instead, a determined group of well-funded ideologues decided to make it easier to live on the streets in this country while doing drugs. Therefore, many more people now live on the streets while doing drugs. See? Not complicated. Let them die. Round them up. Put, them up. Put these crackheads and junkies that contribute nothing to society. I mean, like, it was... He didn't even pretend. Like, there was no, like... Like, I'm, he, I mean, at this point, I think he's done trying. Like, why does he have to? Like, he can say whatever the fuck he wants. So like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, he doesn't mm -hmm. have to like pretend, but it, it, I, I found it like really bizarre. The death of God is about the drying up of a horizon of meaning and of a whole form of human life. Where do we stand in the illusion it makes? What kind of space are we invited into? The material relations between people become social relations between things. When we look at toasters, corn, and TVs, we don't we see We still, to a large extent, live in the interregnum between, between worlds, if you will, or between paradigms. Not many people in the history of the world have faced that. Diet Soap is a sublation media podcast. Hi, Levite. So, um... Levite Moss is a social worker living in Los Angeles who works on Skid Row. You've been on the podcast before. You were on the, well, go ahead and say it. What the hell? Zero Books podcast when I used to work is over that, there. Is that not, we're not allowed to, is that like the podcast that shall not be named? I guess like we're not. not. <laughs> no, we're allowed because I just said it. I decided okay. I, I, I'm not going to hide. <laughs> um, but I decided to to ask you to come back on. Because I saw a Tucker Carlson segment, YouTube, the YouTube algorithm said Doug needs to watch this, and it because you're really a, you're really a crypto fascist. That's why. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. That is not the case, Levite. Sure, you say that in algorithm. Jest. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whatever for whatever reason, the algorithm thought I needed to see the segment on Fox News with Tucker Carlson, and it was entitled. We're watching civilization collapse in real time. Right. And I thought, I know who I think of first when I think of the collapse of civilization and Western values. The, my the, Jewish the friend, crazy Levite Jewish Moss. girl. <laughs> <laughs> the the so, cultural Marxist that walks among you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, uh, but I, I, I thought what he was saying was obviously like way over the top you were saying he's like a parody of a, a right winger at this point like i mean y you hear when people like have these like very t 
terrible ideas about work, like what, how we should solve the problem of homelessness. They'll at least like drape it as like, well, we're doing this because we care. And like, you, you know, you like, what did a cop once say to me was like, what you're doing is actually the opposite of caring because what they need is like tough love and discipline. And, and that's how people get better. So at least they like pretend, but he was literally like, there's only, he was basically talking about a final solution. <laughs> like, I mean, he was like, let them die, round them up, put them, put these crackheads and junkies that contribute nothing to society. I mean, like it was, he didn't even pretend like there was no, like, like, I'm, he, I mean, at this point, I think he's done trying. Like, why does he have to? Like, he, he can say whatever the fuck he wants. So, like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he doesn't have to, like, pretend. But it, it, I, I found it, like, really bizarre because it's, like, most people, I guess, feel that way. But they'll at least be, like, you know, and it's because of these liberal policies that people can get better. Like, that's normally how they'll, no, that's, they'll he frame did, it. They, he did say that. And that was the framing. But uh, it was. <laughs> I, listen, I'm not trying to be, you're going to frame this as like, I'm an SJW snowflake. No, but no, no, in, no. In this case, <laughs> no, but in this case, the language she used was so crass and like legitimately dehumanizing, like in yeah, a way I, that was like very over the top, like people, like calling people crackheads and junkies and saying they don't contribute to society in a meaningful way. And, and like just painting everybody with a broad brush in such like a horrific way that like, I mean, that's like a real thing when you're used to humanizing language like that. And it's really easy to commit like violent acts or like, uh, you know, uh, you know, hurt people, vulnerable people, like the people I work with, the people he's talking about, you know, the population on Skid Row, when you call them things like that, I mean, that's like a real thing. Even a police officer told me once, you know why we call people bodies? Cause that's what they'll say, right? They're like, this is your body or that's not our body or whatever, because it's easier to kill them that way. If we have to, like, mm. that's a real thing. Yeah, no, I know it is. Um, hold on. I know it is, but, um, I also, I want to get back to that question about the dehumanizing language that he used, because I think it's important. I think it's important, but I, I also think like the other part of it that's important is this framing that you said he didn't emphasize it but I think was for most people going to be what they really got out of what he said, which like, here's an example. He said like, there was this um, lawsuit uh, uh, between not just one homeless man yeah. named Basil Humphrey, but also Great name, five others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but five others, including a guy named Robert Martin. And the case mm -hmm. is called Martin versus the city of Boise. Mm -hmm. um, if you look it up, it's, it happened in 2009, happened a long time ago now. Right. So, um, and it, it was about uh, anti-camping ordinances in right. the city of Boise and how these people, Robert Martin, uh, Basil Humphrey, and four others were being charged not just once, but over and over again for camping in, you know, on public property. Uh, and public sleeping because they didn't have a place to go for whatever reason. In the case of Basil Humphrey, it was because he'd been kicking, kicked out of a, uh, a shelter, like a, at a church because of drunkenness. But for mm -hmm. uh, Robert Martin, the, the shelter he was in had been closed down. And there were other reasons why people mm -hmm. were on the street. But Tucker says that the firm that took the case 
wanted to change vacancy laws in order to increase homelessness. So, like, like, what do you make of that absurd. thing? I mean, that's such an <laughs> absurd thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and and they love to, like, pick, cherry pick these, like, very, like, kind of out of the ordinary things that they see and make it seem like it's a pattern of behavior or, mm-hmm. like, some like pointing to a larger conspiracy. They do the same th- same thing with like, you know, tort. What is it? Um, like per- like personal injury, for example. Like the right loves to say that like lawyers, which you know maybe there's some truth to like there's frivolous lawsuits, right? They love to talk about frivolous lawsuits, mm-hmm. but the truth is is that like they love to point to that McDonald's case that the lady who sued McDonald's because the coffee was too hot. She got third degree burns and needed skin grafts, and the reason mm-hmm. the coffee was too hot was because McDonald's was saving money by not having to like by recycling old beans or whatever. So it wasn't a frivolous lawsuit. So this is the mm-hmm. same kind of, I feel like framework, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to increase homelessness. That's literally insane. Um, the part that I do think maybe he's right about, and we'd probably agree with is that there should be absolutely no profit attached to the building projects that require low-income housing, right? So, like, mm-hmm. he's right about that. There are definitely big builders that are making a ton of money off of these projects, and that is a capitalist problem. <laughs> That's a capitalism mm-hmm. problem, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't, like, um, people wanting to increase homelessness. This is about people profiting off of a really shitty system that already exists, and if you actually cared, you would make housing free. Right. You know, and like you, know, you so what I thought when I heard him say that about the the law firm wanting to make uh, to encourage homelessness, I the only thing I could think of that would ever in any way justify that claim is if somehow it was known or if there have been studies that showed that lifting uh, anti-capping ordinances will increase the homeless population in a city. Like I and I and I think that's probably known. Like if you get rid of it, if you let people camp inside city limits, you're going to see more people camping inside city limits. But that what that misses is if you don't let them camp inside city limits, they'll they're still homeless. Exactly. They go somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Just because they're out of sight <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> they don't exist. Right. And I think that that's like the point that he's missing. And of course he knows that. That's what's so crazy is like. Not so crazy. Of course, we all know Tucker Carlson is not an idiot. Like he knows exactly what he's saying. And he knows that like how to manipulate the statistics and manipulate the information that he has to prove a point. That's not a real point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, like that, that's a, that's the thing is like he, he just doesn't want to see it. He doesn't really give a shit about actual people experiencing homelessness. It's just he doesn't like it in, you know, people in front of businesses or people in front of, you know, a pretty park or whatever it is. And I also want to acknowledge, too, that like two things can be true at once that like I understand why people wouldn't want that. I don't like looking at it either. It's very upsetting. Like Mm -hmm. it's super upsetting thing to see. And like I'd be lying if I said that, like, there aren't like legitimate concerns about people having that in their neighborhoods, it's a very, very real thing. It's a very, very real issue. Mm -hmm. Um, However, like the question is, how do you really 
combat it, right? And how do you like actually give people the services they need and stop this cycle of homelessness and violence? Like that's mm-hmm. the truth. Like it, it, I think that like I, I I think it's I think it's naive for like I think and this is a problem on the left too for a lot of activists to be like there's absolutely nothing wrong with people living on the streets if that's the lifestyle they choose or whatever, which is also something I hear on the left a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like, it's not okay for anybody. Like it's not an, it's not an alternative lifestyle choice that like doesn't affect everybody around you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but the truth is, is that like these, the, 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 the way to like help people in this situation is not, is it's not like, more regulation and criminalization of homelessness, which is what he's advocating for. Mm-hmm. Right. No, obviously it, the, um, but I feel like the, the, the strength of Tucker Tucker's rhetoric is that he aims everyone's attention at something that maybe people on the left aren't wanting to look at too closely, which is that these progressive policies, so-called, so-called progressive policies aren't working like lifting, um, anti-camping ordinances does not solve the problem of homelessness, no. right? Right. We're making it easier to get a meal or get uh, medical treatment. Even uh, if you're homeless does not undo the problem of homelessness. And one of the really distressing things I wanted to ask you about this is um, about the way uh, that the cities are spending on public housing. It seems as though even that providing housing, doesn't quite undo. I mean, if you imagine all the people on Skid Row right now that you know about <clears throat> suddenly being offered an apartment in one of these high rises mm-hmm. and if everyone had an apartment available to them, do you think that would significantly reduce the number of homeless people on Skid Row? I can't answer. I don't know. <laughs> I, right. do I mean, think so. but I you do would think-, think it would, right? I mean, you want to think in that a plus uh, one plus one equals okay. two. But it doesn't make it. It's not that simple, right? No, it's not that simple. I mean, we've talked about that before, too, that, Mm -hmm. like, people have different needs. And, like, a lot of people end up on Skid Row because of needs that, like, are greater than just putting them in an apartment and giving them a key, right? Mm -hmm. They need support. They need um, medical care. They need psychiatric care. They need help with substance abuse. Like it's not as simple as like, here's an apartment. Good luck. Bye. You know, like, Mm -hmm. so it's very multi-layered. Um, and, uh, I do think though that, you know, I, that we do need more housing though. That's right. Yeah. That's like Mm -hmm. part of it. And the the Mm -hmm. bureaucracy, and I could tell you this, it's like the bureaucracy surrounding getting these low income apartments is just crazy. Like, it is insane. The amount of paperwork, the back and forth, the documents, like, I mean, it is just like, holy shit. Like if you don't have like a case manager helping you, there's no way you'd be able to go through this process alone, especially if you're, if you have like any sort of like disability, like, um, or mental health concern, like it's really hard. So that needs to go like, and I do think that that would like improve, but like, like, like the people that I work with, the, the populations that I serve, I mean, like they need a much higher level of care and you need to completely destroy the like medical industrial complex. It's like a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. You mean like the profit, uh, the profit yes. side of the healthcare system. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, 
I just feel like when you take a look at a given homeless person who's living uh, wherever they're living, whether it's the streets of Portland, downtown Portland in a tent or on Skid Row, like the problem that they're facing, the immediate one is that they don't have a house to live in and they're in a tent. But there's like so many problems in their background, so problems that led up to that moment right? that it's really difficult to just solve it for them right. or for, or for anyone. And that, uh, I, I feel it. So you know, every kind, every kind of way that we try to frame the issue sort of misses some other aspect of it. So like, if we say, Oh, well, the problem is personal trauma, uh, then, and we need to get them psychiatric care, then what that misses is the limits that psychiatric care has, how, how effective can we be in mm-hmm. overcoming trauma? And then also the 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 fact that that trauma was created to begin with like why where did they come yeah. from where they were in such violent circumstances that that trauma arose so it's like these deep societal problems that then get expressed as homelessness and it gives people like Tucker Carlson a way to <laughs> to score rhetorical points off of the people very people who are trying to address it within the system as it is right yeah. And I, like, I, I was so deeply like, I mean, you'll fall again, maybe it's SJW and me, but I found it so repugnant. Like it, it was painful to listen to, um, especially when like you work down there, like, and you, you feel like they're talking, he's talking about people that you care about. He's talking about people that you've interacted with that are human, that come from families who are looking for them. Um, have mm-hmm. been missing. I mean, I told you yesterday how many people died from fentanyl overdoses. You know, like well, you did you act, you saw you saw two people die. Yeah, from fentanyl overdoses. Like I assume street. they're fentanyl. I don't know. I assume, but like opiate overdoses. But like one person that we revived didn't even he wasn't using opiates. So like my point is, is that like it's, there's fentanyl and everything. So just yeah, like. You know, he like it, it's um, it's just so crass and and horrible and like, you know, um, it, it and like I guarantee his audience too has loved ones that are experiencing addiction, that are experiencing that may be experiencing homelessness, that may have had these types of issues, and I I wonder how they reconcile even listening to him after that, like. This is a very universal thing. It crosses all spectrums of everything: class, uh, g- you know, race, gender, whatever. Ethnicity. I think people tend to blame themselves when things go wrong in their lives, and when it comes to family members, they also blame their family members when things go wrong in their lives. So if you have sure. a if you have a brother or an uncle or a sister or whatever who's hooked on drugs and homeless. Some part of you might be saying, damn it, what's wrong with them, you know? And sure. also, uh, these people who are paying them money to stay hooked on drugs, I hate those people, you know? The, you, I could see someone whose family member was doing that who would might come to that kind of conclusion. Right. I can even see that that kind of, like, cognitive dissonance and mental gymnastics. But, like, mm. when he talks about people being junkies and crackheads and not being contributing, contribute, you know, contributing anything of use to society. Like what horrific 
how can you talk about people like that? Like, especially when like, and I think that this is something that people with disabilities have had to overcome for a long time. I think it's a disability rights issue when you say that like people with, with mental health issues or physical disabilities that inhibit them from being able, let's say to have a, a job like everybody else can't contribute. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, what well, the, the fuck the, do you contribute? What do you do? You sit on TV and talk? Like, <laughs> are you like, are you like, you know, curing cancer? Are you like building things? Oh, you're just like a paid intellectual, you know, intellectual. Who the fuck are you? you Listen, know, like, I, I, I'm just, I'm just a guy on YouTube. <laughs> I'm just saying, oh wait, I'm I'm you're, not, you're talking to Tucker, not to me. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I, I, uh, no, I agree. But I feel like. I don't know. I feel like you're absolutely right that it's really dehumanizing. It's obviously terribly dehumanizing, but I also feel like a lot of people who are really in those conditions like dehumanize themselves or like in de- dehumanize each other as well. And that people want to contribute to society. That's, like, that's, that's like value. part of the cognitive dissonance around this issue, which like mm-hmm. completely like alleviates responsibility from like us as a society and like this bullshit rugged individualism and like social darwinistic view of the world which mm-hmm. is really evil like i mean i i just i cannot get down with that. <laughs> like, no i agree with you but i mean we don't live in a society where there can even be full employment right so obviously someone has to be unemployed and i'm not just talking about older people or people who have physical disabilities but i mean like everyone who would like a job in this society right now can't have one. Um, so obviously something's wrong and you can't blame the individuals for it. But on the other hand, people do have this sort of natural propensity to want to contribute and to judge one another based on their contribution, I think. But what's the contribution too? like, I don't know. I feel like that's so relative. Like are artists contributing? Like, there's Only so if they make artists, money, I guess. Like, no, they're and, not if they're if they're just sitting around writing poetry that no one wants to hear. I mean, I don't yeah, know, until they until really. they die and then they're like, <laughs> you know, oh my god, what a genius! Oh, oh that's true. But right, like, right. I I I just resent that so much, and especially like, I want to know like quantifiably, Tucker, what have you contributed? <laughs> like, really, aside from like, you know, this kind of like. Uh, like rating system where you sit on TV and talk, but do you build anything? He's brought Fox News a lot of advertising dollars. Looking, right. So it's know, like not even yeah, that's some like you know he's like like uh, he's the liberal arts like asshole that he supposedly hates so much. Basically, he might as well have a gender studies degree. You're useless. You don't do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, you know, like for real. I mean, I could give. I personally know. Three people that I've worked with who would be much more entertaining to watch on television than Tucker Carlson, and not for reasons that they would be funny, but because they say creative things, they'd be entertaining, they'd be funny, they'd be witty. So let's replace them. Like you, I think you know, I would switch. like to see you. Re- I want have? you to replace Tucker Carlson on Fox News, Levite. I want you to, that, that would they, be. So I am. I am literally. I'm literally they're like the like like they make memes about me on a regular but i'm the anti-feminist anti-sjw meme that's that's what i am <laughs> i know and it would be so much fun to see you take tucker carlson's place i mean God, it would confirm asshole. everyone's worst fears about the world it's like oh, sorry uh you know fox viewers but due to the deep state levite moss <laughs> has replaced tucker carlson <laughs> 
and uh, please move closer to your television set so she can watch you. (laughs) (laughs) um, I would love to be the Jewish nightmare. They all want me to be. (laughs) Right. So, uh, but okay, let's, okay. So like on the one hand, I'm with you completely about um, how awful Tucker's language was and dehumanizing it was, especially when put in the context of like the story of um, that guy, Humphrey, what what was his name? Uh, 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 Basil Humphrey, where, like Tucker's like, well, you know, the, he got drunk at the shelter and they kicked him out. And then he tried to camp somewhere and the cops came and arrested him for, for public camping, which is illegal. And that should have been the end of the story. And it's like, well, what do you mean? That should have been the end of the story. Basil Humphrey still didn't have a place to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so the end of the story should have been the cops took him away and put him in jail. Yeah. Forever. That's what he wants. I mean, he says it. I mean, he talks about criminal. What's wrong with criminalizing homelessness? I believe he said something. Well, I think to the, that. the underlying assumption that maybe he didn't say aloud was if he had to, uh, you know, go to jail or change or, or get sober, he would have gotten sober. Right. God, that, so that's that's got to be. The, like, I know. I mean, I like, think that's got to be the underlying assumption. <laughs> Especially when you throw in like, oh, this incentivizes drunkenness or incentivizes homelessness. That's been like disproven Mm -hmm. time and time again. Like, oh, and he there's a couple of things also when he talks about like harm reduction and like shooting galleries and like all this bullshit, which is like proven in like most civilized, industrialized, you know, civilized, industrialized nations Mm -hmm. that have these um, measures that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, that it decreases violence, it decreases spread of disease, um, it, it, it decreases the mortality risks associated with homelessness and drug use. Mm-hmm. And also like what it also increases um, the ability for people to go to, to recovery. Like it's just such nonsense. Like it's not ba- like you want to talk about science mm-hmm. and like, evidence-based practice and like all these things. He's just talking out of his ass. He's making shit up. It's like when he, you know, there were those two horrific incidences that happened in LA in the last two weeks, which he brought up um, that, that the nurse at union station. And then mm-hmm. I believe it was a young woman in a furniture store. And then all of a sudden all people are violent who are mm-hmm. homeless. It's so insane. Like, mm-hmm. okay. So now because every serial killer is a white man, I guess, I guess you all have a propensity for violence and we should, you know, what, I don't what? know. You tell me what would be the solution. I don't I think know. You, I think you should punish us, Levine. That's what I think you should do. <laughs> but like, it's so absurd. Like who, who on earth, like how does he get to make these leaps? Why is he allowed to do that? Like, it's so insane. Like th- these things happened and they were terrible, but they don't have anything to do with, people experiencing homelessness having a higher propensity for violence. In fact, statistically, they need to be worried about us. Mm. Like, statistically, they're more likely to be hurt by other people. So, like, for him to just go on TV and just say whatever the fuck he wants, instill fear, and then that poor father was on there talking, you know, about how he Mm. lost his daughter, and, like, it's, it's just, like, such a mess. And also, like, these things do matter, they really do because like, and I think you and I've talked about this and we see different, we see differently on this because mm-hmm. you think I'm an SJW or whatever, <laughs> but like it does incentivize people to hurt people 
that are vulnerable because they think that they might be protecting themselves like, or, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of stories about people throwing rocks at people who are homeless people, you know, trying to hurt them. And it's just stories like this, just so dangerous mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm. most vulnerable. Well, okay. I, I, I do. I look, I don't want to dehumanize anyone. I don't, disagree with you fundamentally that his language was dehumanizing i do wonder <clears throat> whether or not you could say that it was like if someone heard tucker carlson's uh diatribe against the homelessness that's in that is i think increasing in across the country in major cities uh, everywhere and if you heard that and then went out and threw rocks at the homeless i would tend to think that there were other things that were going on. Sure. Okay. That would motivate but, that person. But it does. But, but, it, but let me just get to, but the point here that I would make is that it seems like we're like, yeah, I don't want to speak so ill of people. And I want most of all to, to view people who need help and who are kind of symptoms of social problems to be treated as people. Right. But on yes. the other hand, I don't want to minimize what the symptoms are or how, or how, bad it is that these things are going on so like for instance i oppose this idea that we should refer to people who are homeless as houseless because it gets rid of the depth like it it flattens out the problem to as if the only problem they have is they don't have a house they don't have a home that's the problem they don't have a way to participate in society in a way that would be meaningful to them they don't have usually a network of social support that uh, people rely on when they they might otherwise become homeless and that keeps them from being homeless. Um, it just, I feel like the word homeless describes the situation much more fully. And just like shell-shocked is better than, what is it, having post-traumatic stress disorder or or what have you. I mean, maybe whatever they're replacing that with now. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, I like a visceral description. Sure. So go ahead. I don't remember. You interrupted me. So now <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead and respond to it. Like, why um, am I wrong to want that kind of visceral? I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess to me, I don't really care if you describe people as houseless or homeless. Maybe that, that might make your SGW audience mad at me because they know language matters. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I do think that there's this tendency even on the left to romanticize poverty sometimes and to mm-hmm. say like, Oh, like, they, they do have a home. It's not, they're not homeless. They're houseless because they live on the street and that's their home. No, nobody wants to live on the street. Um, mm-hmm. There is this tendency. I think that part of getting people dignified care and dignify them, you know, and, 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 and the dignity of, of living inside and, and to have everything that everybody else has is to not romanticize the life of living on the street it is not something like, alternative that you just wouldn't understand, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. I'm sure there are people like that live in RVs that are like, you know, this is the way I want to live. I want to live off the grid. Fine. But we're not talking about that. Right. Mm-hmm. We're talking about yeah. people who, because of, you know, poverty, trauma, um, addiction, mental health, physical health cannot bring themselves out of this horrible cycle of poverty and to romanticize it and to like glorify it as something other than that, I think is, I think it's actually like classist, racist, 
all of it because you're basically saying, no, they don't know any better. Like this is, you just don't get it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that's also a problem on the left that I see like quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, now I don't remember exactly what. We no, were I know. About. So we got to. Well, well, um. <laughs> the problem is like, how do we, how do we uh, thread this needle? What? How do we, on the one hand, speak plainly about the problems that are there and the realities that are there, and you know, at the same time, avoid dehumanizing people and and create create something where you know, create a situation or a, a conversation where people can feel like they're valued even when their lives are falling apart. Well, I think I talk about this a lot, which is like dignifying care and making care, the care that people need, not, you know, not stigmatizing it. So if somebody needs to go to rehab, it shouldn't be this like insane, insane process with insurance. And like, you know, if you have the right insurance or if you don't, and like, um, you know, like, criminalizing addiction that's all part of it right like Mm -hmm. or like like i talked about with the people that i serve that require a certain level of custodial care forever um or for at least a long period of time to like make it as dignified and loving as you would want for your own family member you know Mm -hmm. um i think that's all part of it uh i also i'm just gonna mention this just because it was really made me mad too but this is a this is a little off topic about but about tucker carlson mm-hmm. how dare he talk about the opioid epidemic and talk about people who are addicted to drugs and especially opioids and not even mention the complete like formulated plan by the sackler family and big pharma to make this happen and blame the individuals who are victims of this capitalist big pharma conspiracy that's very real that happened like fuck you mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. don't even mention it like you fentanyl is like this huge issue now i just two people died yesterday that i know of i'm sure mm-hmm. there were more and you're not going to talk about like john kapoor who's now serving a five-year sentence in prison for pushing fentanyl as if it was like a legitimate drug for a headache, knowing full well it could kill people and not caring. Right. You know? no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just something wrong with the individual. Like if you are an addict, then there's something wrong with you as a person. That's, that's the best message he's pushing. Like you are antisocial, you do not contribute and you're just like a freeloading asshole. You know, well, right. Your family saying, should be in prison. That, right. Uh, obviously, Right. I would say that the the we have to look at what were the incentives for the Sackler family. Why did we money? That's right? capitalism. No, right? no. Like, but why was it so easy for them to do this shit? Because we do not prosecute crimes of greed, but we would mm. prosecute the dealer on the street that's selling, you know, whatever yeah. five grams of heroin to the person who, you know, may have started on Oxycontin because their doctor gave it to them because they had a headache because that was what happened, right? That's what they were told yeah, I would to do. just want to look into so. like what was a deregulation around the pharmaceutical industry that went play, went, went on. Why is, you know, like price fixing seems to be a big problem in, with pharmaceutical companies. There's got to be like institutional and societal factors that make this kind of shit happen as well as the people who are are individually responsible for it. 
right? right. Like, exactly. Yeah. And so like, that's what, that's also what, what Tucker's trying to do, but he's only pointing in one direction. He's saying the individual, these, well, no, also the progressive politicians. Right. And, and, and the, and the, and the real estate companies and the builders and, and he's right. About, he's right about that. Like the mm-hmm. big builders and the real estate companies cut them out. Destroy it. We don't want it. We don't want any of it. That's what Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, is notorious for, you know, making deals with these big builders and these. It's it's horrible. Like, you know, and just like anything, two things can be true at once. He might be right about that, but so what? Right. Right. Well, yeah, it just um, it, it uh, here's I'll put it to you this way. Kind of maybe we can start to wind it down here. But the I notice it in Portland that. The way that homelessness is addressed kind of goes through cycles. Right. There'll be really punitive legislation and policies put forward, yeah. like anti-camping ordinances, and you'll see like uh, structures get built to discourage people from lying down on a park bench or yeah. lying in a doorway, and like spikes in doorways and shit like that. That's really, I think, kind of monstrous stuff. Yeah. And then, and then. After that, you'll see a loosening of these restrictions and the an increase in the homeless population. That's certainly what we've seen in the last couple of years. And all the while, the difficulty, like the conditions that produce homelessness, just persist. Right. Um, and and uh, so it seems like there's a sort of failure to address what's happened and what's happening yeah. for like decades. And it just cycles through the different sides of the failed options to deal with the problem. And I, I just wonder like if you're aware of people uh, either who are working with homeless people or homeless people themselves who are trying to do something on a deeper level, like organize politically or, or change their circumstances on a more fundamental level. Sure. I mean, there's all sorts of organizations that claim to be doing that, right? Like, <laughs> claim to be. Like, <laughs> well, any that you actually would like endorse yourself that are? Well, I told you my that? friend's organization, the Sidewalk Project, are very, very, very adamant about changing policy regarding um, people who use drugs and, and in a very real way. Um, and they're harm reduction organizations and they're amazing. But this one organization and they're doing the best they can. Um but it's so hard. Like, I mean, you're going against like, I mean, the big building, big builders, you know, uh, big pharma, um, for-profit healthcare, uh, just people who hate, uh, you know, there's a lot of prejudice against just people experiencing homelessness in general, right? Also the them. need for, for a disposable group of people who can be in the what's called in Marxist talk, the reserve army of labor. Right. I mean, that's like where skid row came from was these people who have been brought in on temporary basis to pull skids down the, you know, the, the right. muddy streets. And then they made skids in the streets and then they, you know, skid row developed because they didn't weren't needed anymore. Um, so, yeah, I know you're, you're going up against a deep history. I was just wondering like how, you see activists dealing with that that problem 
I don't know. As you know, I have my own issues. (laughs) (laughs) Activists on Skid Row making my job a little harder. Um, Yeah, talk about that. Go ahead. You could. This is this is the forum for that. No, (laughs) I'm gonna. I'm going to plead the fifth here. Um, we're all shitlords here. Come on, <laughs> all- <laughs> oh, like I like, you know, like I think that there's a lot of different views on mental health and mm-hmm. um, the way mental health is, is triaged and um, treated in this country is I, I, I have to work in the system that we have to help people the best way mm-hmm. I know how. And sometimes that doesn't look the way that they might want it to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that might involve law enforcement and they don't like that. So, you know, they don't like me very much sometimes, even mm-hmm. though I'm the mental health that they supposedly want responding. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's like a whole other thing. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we can talk about some, you want to talk about that in the, in a private parrot room only Patreon discussion, or should we just do a public facing podcast? You, you'll, you can decide that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I'll think about that. 